Jonathan Nato, and I am in Putnam, Connecticut. Hey, everybody. My name is Hamad Zaidi, and I am in Redondo Beach, California. And this is Limping on Cloud Nine. It is, man. You know what we're talking about today? I have no clue. A five-year plan. Oh, nice. <laughs> Not necessarily about this podcast, because hopefully we're still doing this in five years. <laughs> But hopefully in five years we've got books and audiobooks and a movie and everything else. Exactly. Yeah, right? All under this guise of limping on cloud nine. But for now, I wanted to talk about the importance of five-year plans. I wanted to go back to how they started for me. But first I wanted to talk about what reminded me that I actually use them. So a couple of months ago, and by a couple I mean probably four or five months ago, I went on Facebook like I frequently go on a couple times a week, and I saw I was tagged in my friend Chris's post. So I haven't heard from Chris in a while. I'm like, oh, well, I wonder what he's doing. So I go on his, his post, and he's announcing that he is now a full-time professor at a film school in Florida. Nice. And I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. So I read his post, and his post talks about Thank you, everybody, for all the years of encouragement. It's been a really hard road, but I just became a full-time professor at this university in, in Florida, where he lives, in Orlando. And he mentioned all these people that helped him along the way, and then he mentions me. And the weird thing about mentioning me is he says, and I want to thank Hamad Zaidi for giving me a five-year plan. Mm. Right? And I'm like... Yeah. Wow, somebody's actually listening. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the interesting thing. I taught Christopher when I would do weekend courses at Avila University in Kansas City. And I only did it two or three times, but my weekend course was strategizing your career in motion pictures, right? Yeah. And we we just go over various things on how to deal with no's, how to deal with yeses, how to you know build your Rolodex, how to be somebody that people want to work with, stuff like that. But I remember in that class, I'd go over a five-year plan, like ask yourself where you are now, where you want to be in five years, and give yourself realistic goals as to how you plan on getting there, right? Yeah, yeah. And I remember in that class, like some people would say, I want to be an Oscar winner in five years, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I wouldn't laugh at him. I'd say, okay, if that's what you want, if you want to hold a golden, you know, bald-headed man called Oscar in five years, what are you going to do today in Avila College on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon to take steps towards that? Yeah, yeah. Right? So I, I was really blown away that Chris actually remembered that I had a five-year plan. So it just grounded me and made me think, wow, 15 years later, I find out that at least one person actually uses it, right? So what, what were some of the things, like what are some of your sort of guidelines or whatever to kind of write, writing one out? Well, here's, here's – that's a great question. Thanks for asking that. Here's what I like doing. First of all, be realistic about where you are today. And what I mean about be realistic about it, don't just be totally negative. Like if you say, oh, my life totally sucks. I don't have the job I want. I don't have the career I want. You know, I'm, mm. I'm not, all the doors are closed. Life just sucks. Mm. Once you get over that self-pity, 
say, okay, I'm an assistant at a company. I don't like my boss. So in the next five years, I want to have my own company. If that's what, if that's what you want, mm. then you break it down. Then you say, okay, what am I going to do in the next three months? Mm. If I work for a boss, I don't like in the next three months, my job is going to be getting advice on how to make my resume as good as it can be. Mm. Or my job is going to be getting on LinkedIn Mm. and and starting that process. Yeah. Right. And then just saying, okay, six months from now, do I start interviewing for other jobs? Mm, Okay. Right. And, but there's a risk with, there's a risk with everything, right, Johnson? Oh, yeah. So the risk is when your boss finds out you're interview, interviewing for new jobs, you may be fired. Right. Right? Yeah. But if you're fired, you still got what you wanted in a sense because you didn't want that job to begin with. Yeah. It's a hard way to look at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But if you say, I hate my job, I hate my existence, I hate everything about what I'm doing right now, and I need to move on. Yeah. If your boss creates an opportunity for you to move on before you're ready to, (laughs) (laughs) at least you knew you wanted to move on to begin with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so if working on your resume is the first three months and starting to interview is the next three months, then just tell yourself, look, I want a new job within 90 days of starting to interview. And I want to be completely comfortable with my new job within 90 days of that, right? Yeah. So if you look at your first year, it's broken down into fixing your resume, getting on LinkedIn, starting to interview, getting a new job, and getting comfortable with it. All of that happened in the first 12 months. Yeah. Right? And you and I as business owners know if anyone out there listening right now decides – that he or she wants a new job, you can't tell me that they can't get it within 12 months. Mm, yeah, no, that's true. Right? Yeah. There's no way. I mean, 12 months is a long time. The only way you don't get it in 12 months is if you spend 11 months and 28 days thinking about it. Yeah, or or if it's like uh, you want to become like a medical doctor or something. <laughs> Right, something that takes eight years or right. 12 years or, or something else, right? Yeah, yeah. So then now you're one year into the five-year plan, right? Yeah. Now you ask yourself, all right, I'm a year in. I'm comfortable with this job. Now, how long am I allowing myself to stay in this job? Mm. Meaning, A, do I like my company? And if so, B, are there other positions in the company I want to be in? Right? Yeah. And then you start asking yourself, okay, if I'm here now, where do I want to be next year? Mm. Right? Yeah. And I don't know. What do you think, man? Because I think most people think that if they're not getting promoted in two to three years, they're not going to be promoted. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to speak on that in a sense because I've never had a quote-unquote regular job. So... Which is awesome. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, I don't know what the sort of that workflow is kind of like or whatever, you know. I don't really know the the mechanics behind a, an office job, so to speak. Well, most people believe that if you're not getting 
promoted in two years, you're probably not getting promoted at that company. Hmm. Unless well, you just love that job and you don't want any other job. Yeah. I, well, I guess right? I guess with every company, there's, uh, I mean, I don't want to call it a dead-end job, but, you know, there's probably positions or whatever sec- sections or sectors of companies that, hey, once you kind of hit this, you're, you're sort of plateaued, you know, like this. Nowhere else to go unless you're going to drastically change your, you know, position in the company. Yeah, exactly. And I know a lot of friends that that are in that position or have been in that position. I mean, I don't want to give names, but I have a friend who's an incredibly intelligent woman who's a senior level professional in an extremely overeducated field, right? Mm-hmm. And and she's in a position that people would kill for literally i mean she's in a tremendous position but she's the assistant the, or the associate in her division okay right yeah and the division chairperson has said you're not g- ever getting the top job in this department wow okay so and they <laughs> flat out told her they, they they've actually said if you want to get another job at another company, we actually encourage that because you're not getting the top job here. No kidding. Okay. Right? Yeah. And she still stays. And yeah. I'm, all, I'm always like, oh, my God, what are you doing? They're being nice enough to tell you that no matter what you do, no matter how good you are, you are never getting the position above you. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. So if you know that, why are you there? Mm. I don't know. Maybe, and, she, and, maybe she's one of those, like you said, there's those people that are just – fine with kind of hitting that level. I don't know. Yeah, man, maybe. But the other thing is, it's an extremely, extremely prestigious institution. Yeah, so you get you get some some bells and whistles with that then. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's not Harvard, but it's like working at Harvard. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's yeah. like that level of institution. Sure. So, so, and, you know, I always say if you're totally fine with it and you want to work there for 25 more years and retire with a huge fat pension and more respect than you could ever wrangle elsewhere, good for you. Stay. Yeah. But if you want to move on to the next level, you got to make the move. Yeah. Right? So, so then from, like, the, you know, sort of your one year, like, what's sort of, the, I mean, do you do and kind of succession? Do you do, okay, by year two this, by year three this, by year four that? Or do you say, I'm going to go from year one to three? Like, do you kind of plan out every year? Or do you kind of take bigger leaps or steps? Well, I think the first year you have to break down into several months like we did, like three months, three months, three months, three months. Yeah. At the end of the first year, you can jump to year three. Like you can say by year three, I want an offer in a different position in this company or I'm going to leave the company. Okay. Right? Okay. And generally that's how it works. <laughs> right? And I'm always totally open with, with people doing as good as they can for themselves. And if they do great and they surpass me, good for them, man. Absolutely. Everyone works hard, right? Yeah, totally. I'm not one of those people that try to hold people down. I want people to succeed and chase their dreams and, and get their dreams as quickly as they possibly can. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that, that's because I'm totally comfortable with where I am in life. And I'm really comfortable with what you and I are doing with these companies we're working on and what 
Andrew, Lynn, and, and Tim, and everyone at Industry Corp and I are doing there. And I'm really comfortable with what you and I are doing at Lonely Sale. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I know where, where my trajectory is going. Yeah. But, but let me tell you this. Can I jump back to something else right now? Yeah. So I want to talk about the very, and this is kind of humorous, but I want to talk about the various five years, five year plans I've had growing up. Okay. Right? Because growing up, I always had teachers think that I was aloof, a dreamer, which I am aloof and I am a dreamer, but I just had it work for me. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but when I was young, they'd always be like, do you have any idea what you're going to do in five years? Do you have any idea? So it was always in my mind because people always doubted it. Right? Yeah. My senior English teacher in high school, my senior level English teacher in high school, you know what she called me? I, I think you've mentioned this in passing in an episode, and I can't remember yet. I, I, I don't know if this was the guidance counselor or this teacher, but they like literally told your parents, yeah, Hamas not like college material, so don't That wait. was my guidance counselor. <laughs> don't, don't my, wait, in the don't same year, my guidance counselor <laughs> told my mom and dad I was not college material. Yeah, don't waste your money. <laughs> don't waste your money, even on community college, because this boy is destined for a vocational school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And like I, I'll say now, like I said then, there's nothing wrong with vocational school. Yeah, but my, my, my journey school. was to go to college. Yeah, but no, my my English teacher, her name was Miss Daniels, mm. right? I'll never forget this, man. She always called me a nomad. <laughs> she goes, "You're a nomad. You've got no direction." And and I said, "I've got a lot of direction. It's just not the direction that you think." Yeah, my direction is not what you think is possible. Because right. I want to go to UCLA film school. I want to make movies. I want to live in Los Angeles. That's my five-year plan. Yeah. Now, you might think that, you know, I'm going to wind up, you know, not doing anything, and that's fine. That's your opinion. But that's not my plan. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, but even before her, my first five-year plan, I think, was when I was around five years old. Right? And, and remember in an earlier podcast, you and I talked about how when somebody at the Crippled Children's Center wanted to teach me how to tie my shoe. Do you remember that? Yeah, yep. And, and I'm like, I don't have to learn how to tie a shoe. I can just tuck, them, tuck the laces into the sides of my shoes. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, no, you can't. You can't do that for the rest of your life. You have to learn, Right. And I remember you and I talking about this in one of our early podcasts where I just felt so free and I felt like I accomplished everything when I learned how to tie a shoe. Yeah. And I remember when that happened, I'm like, now that I can tie a shoe, the next thing on the bucket list is learn how to ride a bike. Yeah. Because with the slight disability on my left side, with my limp and with my left hand and arm, I have balance on my left side, but not nearly as good as a balance on my right side. Yeah. Right? So the next thing was, okay, how do you learn how to balance two sides of your body when one side has more balance than the other while you're riding a bike? So my next five-year plan was, okay, I'm five or six years old by 10 or 11. Not only do I want to learn how to ride a bike, but I need to buy a mini bike. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Remember? Yeah. So I got the mini bike, I think, when I was eight or nine years old. 
And I had it for three whole weeks before my mom forced my dad to sell it, right? When I drove into the tree on the first day. (laughs) And for those of you wondering, that's another podcast in the earlier part of this podcast. That's like 100 podcasts ago. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's like in the first 10, I think. So I think it's number nine, I think. But anyway, so I I hit that. And then when I was around 10 or 11, the next five-year plan was, okay, I'm eligible to get a moped license at the age 14, and I'm eligible to get a driver's license at 16. So the next five-year plan was get the moped license, get the driver's license, right? Yeah. And same thing, man. Everyone's like, dude, you're way, you can't ride a moped, right? Yeah. And I'm like, why not? I can ride a bike safely. and Well, why can't I ride a moped? So at 14, I got a moped license. Yeah. At 16, at 16 I got a car license, yeah. driver's license. Yeah. Right? And so all these five-year plans just keep regenerating. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to mention real quick, and I'd love your insight on this, is I think you shouldn't just make a five-year plan and say, this is what I'm going to do for the next five years. And then at the end of five years, make another one. But because what you should do is every year that goes by, there's another year added onto your plan, right? Yeah, I mean, or you could even be sort of like, you know, maybe your first year doesn't go exactly how you thought it would, or maybe you take a direction you didn't foresee in, in that, in, you know, opening year, you know? And so maybe your your target might change by year five. Totally, totally. So that's why I think at, at the end of every year, you should reassess where you are in the original plan. Mm-hmm. And ask yourself how you think you need to adjust it for the future. Yeah. One, one little tidbit I'd throw in here, too, is I read this pretty interesting book maybe some, between six months to a year ago. And I'm not even going to say the, the title of it correctly, but it's, it's called, like, get, it's either called Getting to Yes. I think it's called Getting to Yes. And okay. base, it's kind of, it's more of a sales book, but it's, an, it's interesting if you apply, I guess, with, like, doing a five-year plan. So you kind of... You mentioned this, and this is what made me think of it when you're like, you know, when you hear no, how do you deal with that, like, as part of your five-year plan or whatever, you know? And so the whole preface of this book is, is more, like I said, more of a, if, like a salesman kind of thing, but you could apply it to life, is getting to yes means getting to no's as quick as you possibly can. Like that's if, a gr- that's a great comment, man. If, if, you're trying to, if you're trying to sell something to someone or you're trying to to do something, you want to hear no as fast as you can so you don't waste any of your time on that and find more yeses. So the more no's you find, the quicker you can get to the yeses. That's so true. And, you know, I know I've mentioned the following on a previous podcast with you, but when I was at UCLA Film School, one of my professors was Peter Guber. Mm, yeah. Peter currently is a co-owner of the Golden State Warriors and the co-owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers. But when he was... My professor, he was the chairman of Sony. Mm. So he was the uh, the studio head, you know, the head of the motion picture studio. Yeah. So he he controlled Columbia Pictures and TriStar Pictures, right at the at the time. And you know what he always said? No. He said when I when I hear the word no, just turn it upside down because upside down it spells on, mm. which means when you hear no, just move on. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he he's always say that he received. Thousands and thousands of no's on all the movies he produced. Yeah. 
but the yeses became the movies he produced. Yeah, yeah. And and P- Peter's actually one of the most successful motion picture producers of all time. Him, him and his partner John Peters, mm. they they produced Batman, Rain Man, Gorillas in the Mist, which Man. is Eastwick. I mean, they their movies grossed like four point five billion with a B. Yeah. Over over the career. Man. So yeah, they they did well, right? Yeah. Here's the thing. Every time I get a no, whether it's a movie idea or a technology project or whatever we're doing together, we always double guess and ask ourselves, all right, man, where do you think we should go next? Yeah. Right? It's always a level of recreation. And if you're not recreating, you're, you're, you're not doing anything, yeah. right? Yeah. I was in a, a weekend seminar, and one thing that the seminar leader said is – it's good to live uncomfortably. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And what they meant is they go, if you live too comfortably, you're going to get complacent. Right. And and things are going to go asi- awry because yeah. you're not going to be focused on making life better and better and better and better. Yeah, that's true. It is true, right? Yeah. And he goes, but if you live uncomfortably, it means that no matter how well you're doing, you're always looking at what you could do better. Yeah. You're always looking at, okay, this project did really, really well. How could we change it to make it even better than really, really well? Right? Yeah. So um, let me ask you something. And I know I didn't, we didn't talk about this pre-podcast, so it's coming out of left field. <laughs> but, but after you lost your sight at 14, yeah. after you got over the initial shock yeah. of no longer being able to see, yeah. What was your and, – and if you didn't have one at the time, it's fine. But once you figured out a five-year plan, maybe it didn't come right away, what, what was it? Because I know you went back to college a little, bit le- a little bit later in life to get your degree. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, once that, you know, I just knew I was going to start playing guitar, and I just poured everything I had into that. I was going to, you know, be the next whatever famous heavy metal rock star. But you still might. <laughs> and if you do, you need to promise me on air right now that if you do, you don't stop this, this yeah, uh, no, podcast. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> So you wanted to be a rock star after you lost your sight. Then yeah. what? I mean, that's real. That's, uh, you know, the the only – I was just laser focused on that. I, I, I was <clears> – I, at that time, I was convinced that's why I got in the, the accident. Wait, wait. Clarify that. You were convinced you got in the accident so you could learn how to play guitar? And to be like this famous blind heavy metal guitarist. You still might be a famous blind heavy metal guitarist. Yeah, I've, maybe, but... Uh, we've invited you many times to play it on this podcast, Yeah, right? yeah, I'll have to... Maybe the next one or the one after that, I could be ready for it, but... Um, I, I, I could still, you know, like you said, I, I could still be that, but not in the sense that I thought it was going to be, you know, 25 years ago. Well, nothing ever winds up, you know, happening the way in which you envision it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, like I know we, we remember when we did the podcast about the September 11th, 9/11, the 9-11 public service announcement Yeah. that I wrote and, and directed and produced on the one year, it was on the one year anniversary 9-11, right? Yeah. I look back at that totally proud, very happy that I was given the opportunity to do that. 
But the cynical side of me is like, yeah, but it was only a 30-second PSA. Mm, mm. It was actually a one-minute PSA in theaters and then a 30-second version on television stations. Okay, okay. Right? Yeah. And so everyone's like, dude, you should be super happy and proud that you got to create a White House-endorsed piece on September 11th honoring those who perished on the one-year anniversary. Yeah. That played in 5,001 theaters across the country and played on all three or four major networks. Yeah. Right? And part of me is like, yeah, I'll go to my grave proud that I'm the guy that did it. (laughs) Right? Yeah. But it was only a PSA. Mm. It would be a lot bigger if it was a $150 million budgeted movie that made a billion dollars in the box office. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny how you say like things, you know, never turn out the way you think or whatever. Because I love watching sort of, uh, you know, like behind the scene, you know, music or whatever. Like because you see these like famous people, actors, actresses, rock stars, whatever, pop singers. I mean, whoever you you see these people and you're just like, oh man, they're so lucky. You know, uh, they're you know they're famous and they probably have everything they want. But man, you hear some of their stories. Like I I, I don't remember where I saw this, but it was like this interview with like ice tea and like you know you, you figure oh this guy's got all you know he's got everything right he's famous and he's he's on tv you know and acting you know actors you know singer songwriter whatever but right man like that guy's life was messed up like his parents died when he was young he lived on the east coast he had to move to the west coast with like an aunt he was like 13 14 15 getting in trouble because you know both his parents passed away he's living with his aunt I didn't realize this. He was in the military. He, he was. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, but you know, I I watched the show he's on, and they they talk about that in the show. Yeah, he. I don't, his, remember, I don't remember if it was. It was either the army or the marines. I want to say it was. I think it was the army. But right. he, he he was telling this one story of how one of his, um, uh, you know, the people above him, the ranks above him, ordered. They were like these various houses, like living houses for you know, like lieutenants and majors and stuff to live in. And he was ordered to go into one of the houses by his, you know, higher up because he wanted something. It was like something. Basically, he said he ended up cutting out the rug in the middle of the floor in this house so that his superior could get that rug for whatever reason and stole a few other things out of that house for him. And he was doing it with a a couple of buddies. Well, he got arrested and thrown into military prison. He ended up escaping military prison and was AWOL and <laughs> and then really? he, yeah and then he was like I'm not coming back unless you clear my name because I I you know I did I did what I was ordered to do I ain't going down like that so I'm not coming back unless you clear my name and so Good they for him. they got he got like an honorable discharge or whatever but you hear stories like that and you're just like wow you know like it, it's just you know, like he didn't have it easy either. You know, like he had to overcome. No, you know, so it's it's, no. it's cool to hear other people's stories like that. You know, nobody, absolutely nobody has it easy. Yeah. So you know, another really inspirational one I wanted to, to mention, since we're talking about stars, Lisa Kudrow. I love did her. A commen- I love her. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. She did a commencement speech, I think, at Vassar. Mm. at Vassar College where she went. Mm. You know, she was like a bio, and I, I have this wrong, but she was like a biochemistry major. 
<laughs> no kidding. Yeah, she wasn't an acting major. She was a, it was a science bachelor's, right? Man. And so when she graduated, she told her professor, I think I'm going to try acting, right? <laughs> and so here's what's interesting about her story. She was hired to be on Frasier. It was the biggest break of her life, right? What, was she going to be the, uh, the, the Roz Doyle? I think, you know what? I think so. I'm not sure about that, but I know that she was on the original cast of Frasier. Hmm. And, and she was on two or three episodes, and then they fired her. Hmm. And they said, it's just not working. And after she got fired from Frasier, all of her actor friends are like, oh, my God. There's not a human being in the world that doesn't think that show is going to go nuts. How could you possibly get fired off of that? Yeah. You just screwed up the rest of your life completely. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then she did that movie, Romy and Michelle's you know, High School Reunion. Which, yeah. Have you seen it? No. Incredibly funny film. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll right? have to see that. Really, really, really funny movie. So after the success of that, she was supposed to have a TV show version of that movie. Okay. And then she talks about, you know, fired off of Frasier. She's supposed to get Romy and Michelle as a TV series. And then that fell apart. Man. Right? Yeah. And then she was literally, you know, like they always say, this is an old story, but she was literally going to give it up and, and not act. And her agent told her, I think you should really go and, try out for friends, and she's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And she goes, I think you should try out, right? Yeah. And, and then she became Phoebe on Friends. Yeah, that's funny. She was. She and, also had that small part on that show, Mad About You. She was that waitress. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, she was. You're right. So the thing with Friends is, you know what I'm going to do? Remind me, but we always link certain videos to limpingoncloud9.com every yeah. time we publish these. Yeah. So I'm going to link the commencement speech from Vassar. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, definitely. Right? So if people are listening to this and they want to see a super inspirational commencement speech given by Lisa Kudrow, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure that's on there. Cool. So, yeah, it's uh, – five-year plans are really important, man. Even later in life, they're important. I yeah. remember being – you know, uh, at 16, my five-year plan was not to listen – or no, at 17, my five-year plan was not to listen to my high school counselor and to actually finish high school <laughs> and, and to get into college. Yeah. Now, I did not get a college degree within the five years. Mine, that turned out to be, you know, six or seven years. <laughs> Why? Well, it, it, it took me right? five years to get my degree, so. It, it took you how long? Five years. Uh, see, it took me six years to get my bachelor's, and yeah. then I did my master's in under one year. Yeah, yeah. So... But my bachelor's took six years at five different schools in three different states. Mm. Right? That was a journey. <laughs> a very long journey. But, man, I don't think five-year plans change. You know, what I mean is I don't think there's ever a time. No, the plans themselves definitely change. But I don't think there's ever a time that you don't need one anymore. Mm. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Even at my age now. You know, my five-year plan is, you know, we're, we're building Hourglass 24 together. We're building the Lonely Seal Film Festival together. 
my 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 five year plan is to make sure our glass is just jamming. Yeah. In the next six months, yeah. not the next five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and in five years, I want to be celebrating our fifth Lonely Seal Film Festival. Exactly. Right. Yep. I want Pet Divorce Court, the TV show we're doing together. I want that to uh, to be in season four. Yep. Right. Yeah. And in five years, Lena and Zoe will be eleven. That's crazy. And it's crazy, and they'll only be six years away from going to college at that yeah. time. But let me ask you this. How do you respond or how do you react to a five-year plan just going really bad? Or how would you react? Well, I, I, I mean, maybe it, maybe that doesn't happen if you do like you were saying every year. Maybe you need to reassess. You know? Yeah, no, that, that's true. <clears throat> I, mean, that, I mean, maybe if you don't reassess, then maybe that's why it, it would or could go bad if you just kind of – Say, here's my five-year plan. I'm just going to follow this thing through. And, you know, even after a year, you're not where you hit your target or whatever. Two years, you still haven't hit your first-year target. Three years, you haven't hit your first-year target. I mean, maybe you need to kind of reevaluate what's going on. Or, re- yeah, exactly. Or at least reevaluate the expectations that you yeah. built for yourself yeah. in that time. Yeah, exa- right? yeah, exactly. You just triggered a thought, and I'm actually going to bring this up in a future podcast. Uh in the years that I was writing the Going Bionic weekly column for Film Threat, yeah, I wrote a column called... You remember that movie, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead? Uh, no, actually. It's a really cool little film. It's called Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. Okay. Right? So, years ago, I wrote an article called Things to Do When You Think Your Movie's Dead. Mm. Or Things to Do When You Think Your Screenplay's Dead. Okay. And what that means is you write something that you think is brilliant, you send it out to 50 people, they all think it sucks, and it's going nowhere. Mm. Or worse, you actually make the film, and you send it out to 50 people, and they think it sucks, and it's going nowhere. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. That article dealt with things to do. Like, how do you, you have a dead project, how do you make it work? And not all the time does it need to work. Because it might be a better option just to let it go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So at some point, I'm going to pull that article up, and we'll see about reforming it for this podcast. Yeah, like, Obviously not, yeah, not with a movie good. focus, but with just a life Yeah, focus. it sounds good. I'd like that. You know? But, hey, you know what they say? One of the hardest things to do in life is to let go, right? Yep. No, that's for sure. And, and if you look at something and you're like, I know this is good, but the whole world tells me it sucks. Well, sometimes you can defy the odds and keep pushing if you really think you have something. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, maybe you just let it go. Yeah. Maybe you let it go and maybe you come back to it at a later date if, it, if you know, the time is different. Yeah, yeah, basically. no, Definitely. So what's your five plan? If I had told you right now on this podcast today, what's your five-year plan? Uh, I mean, well, obviously, since we're working on a lot of stuff together, ours, mine, sort of lines up with yours anyways, kind of by default, so. Yeah, although, yeah, I mean, we're working on a ton of projects together, but, yeah. like, let me ask you this. Let's say Hourglass 24 goes through the roof, which mm. I think it will, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, 
you have the freedom to do whatever you want. Mm. How does that change your five-year plan? I was thinking I'd like to go to, uh, I mean, there would have to be a lot of things that happen in order for this to even be possible. But it would be, it'd be interesting to try and go back to school, like Berkeley School of Music or something. Oh, my God, dude. That's in Boston, right? Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. Years ago, I got into the OPM program at Harvard Business School. Yeah. Which is, I told you this, but yeah. w- it, which is a really cool program. I didn't go. I did not go, but I got in, and I deferred it, but I still didn't go, yeah. right? yeah. But it was a really cool program where you're on Harvard's campus three times a year. Yeah. No, you're on Harvard's campus for three weeks a year, and then you do your own projects in between right. the three weeks. Yeah. And then it's a three-year program, right? Yeah. I'll tell you what. It's always been itching on the back of my mind to go reapply and beg Harvard to let me in now. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But if you go to Berkeley, I might do the Harvard program. We'll both hang out in Boston there you go. A little, but I've got a wife I love and 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 beautiful daughter, so I can't leave Los Angeles. But three weeks a year, or for projects, I could I could sneak out for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if that were to happen, like I, you know, I'd, I'd have to move a lot closer to Boston and blah blah. blah. But it, it it'd be interesting. I've always, I I love the the technicality behind music and uh you know now that i've kind of been playing guitar again and just kind of dusting off cobwebs and it's been kind of re-energizing my passion for music so i was was thinking the other day it'd be interesting to i don't even know if i would care about you know getting my masters in xyz but it'd be cool to be able to get like you know real guitar lessons from talented teachers and like just to really expand you know whatever it is i have in me yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I actually think that uh, I look at where I am now. In five years, I want to be exactly where I am today with less debt. There you go. <laughs> That's always a good thing. <laughs> right? If I could just do those two things, be live the life I live today because I love where I am in life, but just have less debt, Yeah, I'd be happy. I hear you. I hear you. And maybe a slightly bigger place. Maybe, you know, not having to write American Express a check every month and not having to send Visa and MasterCard checks every month. Yeah, right? yeah. Or sending them every month knowing that I'm paying the balance down to zero. That would be really nice if that yeah. were the case. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right? <laughs> and, and it might be the case, right? Yeah, totally. But I just think, uh, you know, my five-year plan is, is, I'll tell you what, the buying a sports franchise is not in my five-year plan yeah but realistically it's in my 15-year plan what now does do you care what sport it is well see here's the problem i go back and forth on this right because part of me says i only want to own a part of or all of the lakers the 49ers the dodgers or the kansas city royals yeah what if like the what if the minnesota timberwolves come up for sale or like the denver nuggets or something let's say let's say a project that you and i are working on turns into a multi-billion dollar company yeah right yeah and the the minnesota timberwolves come up for sale and we're pre-approved financially and i'm like jonathan you want to own a team (laughs) (laughs) and we agree to do it i think it'd be hard 
to turn down that opportunity because I've wanted it so badly. Yeah. And I think realistically, though, if I never get to own a whole franchise, I'd at least love to be one of the owners. Like, you know, the guys that buy 2% yeah, yeah. Of, of a franchise? Yeah. Or the guys that, well, like Derek Jeter, uh, he's the CEO of the Florida Marlins. Mm. I don't know how much of it he owns, but it's not much. Yeah. He, he might own one or two. He's, he's, he's probably yeah. more the, you know, the take a picture with this guy person. You know? Well, <laughs> he runs it. He yeah. is the CEO and he runs it. Yeah. But there's a multi billionaire actually giving the money. Yeah, yeah. Right? I know, so if I could you, just be in an ownership group, I'd be happy. Do you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? I've heard, you know, you've mentioned him to me. Yeah. Who it remind, remind he, our listeners he lives who he in, is. He lives in New York. He's a pretty, like, Hardcore entrepreneur. He's a uh, he's uh, Eastern European, you know, part of the Russian Federation, if that's the, a term I should use correctly. But um, he his parents came over from there, so he, I I believe he was born here. But his parents, you know, are immigrants, and he actually took his dad's wine company and created this thing called Wine TV, like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Years yeah, yeah. ago, yeah. years mm-hmm. ago. And, like, he turned it into this, like, multi-million dollar, you know, company. And so his whole thing for a long time now is someday I'm going to own the New York Jets. Like, that's that's his thing. Like, that's his ultimate goal. Like, so he's laser-focused on owning the New York Jets. Is, you think he's going to? I think, I, I think he could. <laughs> like, well, see, here's the thing. My 15-year plan would be to own a professional sports franchise. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and if, if Hourglass or Lonely Seal or anything else we're doing just goes silly crazy and, and turns into a multi-billion dollar company, of course, the chances of that happening are about the same chances of me quarterbacking the 49ers <laughs> to the Super Bowl ne- next year. Yeah. But if it does happen, right? Yeah. I would kill to own the lakers yeah i i'd love to call genie bus and say genie i met your dad in 2006 we were both uh we were both judges for the 2006 hawaiian tropic national beauty pageant i've been a laker fan since kindergarten in my right hand coat pocket is a check for four billion dollars <laughs> i'd like to buy the lakers right yeah i love that day yeah although the bus family only owns 66 percent of it so really i'd be paying her what 2.8 billion yeah not four anyway <laughs> i know how stupid this sounds to people out there but you gotta have dreams right you yeah gotta totally. have dreams totally if somebody told me years and years ago and then uh, then we'll go towards wrapping this up somebody told me years ago when I was a kid, always shoot for the moon because if you miss, at least you'll be amongst the stars. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And I always thought, man, that's a really interesting thing. Always shoot for the moon because if you miss, at least you'll be amongst the stars. What that meant to me is, look, if you want to own the Lakers and you're laser focused on doing it before you die, if you don't, maybe you'll wind up buying 2% of the Milwaukee Bucks someday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know what? Not a bad thing. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> not a, Maybe not the Lakers' full ownership, but not a bad thing to yeah. own 2% of any 
NBA, NFL, MLB, or NHL team. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Of course, granted, if I ever become a coach of Lena and Zoe's future basketball or soccer team, maybe that will be the extent of my sports ownership. You know, I'll have Lonely Teal sponsor. Yeah, I was just going to say Hourglass will be the sponsor of their team. Or, or, or Hourglass <laughs> will be the Hourglass 24, you know, lady soccer team. <laughs> Young, young, young anyway. teen soccer team. <laughs> hey, you know what I wanted to say really quick as we wrap this up? This is the longest podcast we've ever done. Yeah, it's got to be. So for the people yawning out there and saying, my God, this guy is boring to listen to, I totally apologize. Yeah, I do too. So yep. anything else to add, my friend? Uh, no. I mean, if you guys want to check us out, limpingoncloud9.com. That's number9.com. You can find us on Google Play, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, every other podcatcher in the world. And don't forget to check out Lonely Seal Film Festival. You find out everything that's going on there. And uh, if you have anything you want to submit, a screenplay or a script or you got a short film, feature film, documentary, web series, you can check out lonelysealfilmfestival.com. Absolutely. And if you want to reach out to us, info at lonelyseal.com. That's info. No, I, I yeah, you always, always screw that up. Yeah, you always and I'm not, even gonna, I'm not even going to edit this out to show everyone <laughs> that I constantly screw up. Info at limpingoncloud9.com. That's info at limpingoncloud9.com. We love hearing from you guys. We're trying to give you as much value as we can. That's why we're trying to do a bit more actionable items in some of our podcasts but don't worry we'll still have the crazy stories that we've always had from the past we'll yep. still include those too definitely and everyone thank you for listening and downloading we'll talk to you next episode see ya